Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I am very happy to be joined today by my good friend Rick Howden. Rick, how are you? I'm doing well, Kyle. Great. Now, Rick and I went to school together way back in the mid, mid-2000s. We'll call it the mid-2000s, <laughs> not the early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Rick, I'm going to let you go ahead and tell the story of, of kind of how, how we are connected. Uh, we uh, we both shared a mutual friend back at in college at Winona State. Uh, his name was Jared Steen, and uh, Jared was a, a student leader on campus and was uh, was pretty much everybody's friend. But uh, he meant a lot to everybody that knew him, and obviously Kyle knew him well, and I knew him well, and uh, he ended up. Um, being the student center president um, on campus for a while, and um, and then uh, unfortunately he passed away from a, a rare genetic disease called Wilson's disease that um, prohibits the liver from breaking down copper. So it was uh, uh, unfortunate we lost him early, but uh, but uh, was a great uh, great man in his. Uh, his passion still lives on today. Yeah, you know, and that's the thing too. I was I was Jared's roommate, and and I would echo those words. And I don't think on the podcast I've talked a lot about about Jared and that experience, but I, I do will say I, I I've been wanting to say this for a long time that that poster you made of him with the Abraham Lincoln quote. Yes, it's, it's still one of the only possessions that I really really treasure. It's it's uh, in my bedroom. I've kept it all that time. It's. You know, the Abraham Lincoln quote, it's not the years in the life, but the life in the years was really good. So, um, yeah, but, you know, it's 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 been 10 years. And and thankfully, now that I'm back, Rick and I were just talking a little bit ago about uh, joining the board of, of his scholarship foundation. So that's yeah. something I'm looking forward to being back. So, Rick, we're going to start out with our favorite question. So, yeah, t- tell me about your favorite teacher and, and why that person was your favorite teacher. Oh, my favorite teacher. I had some really good, uh, good teachers. Uh, probably one of my favorite teachers goes back to elementary school and, uh, his name was Mr. Eggers and he was actually, uh, you know, more of a, a computer teacher. I don't know, uh, what we exactly called it back then, but he, back when we all didn't have computers, <laughs> back with those original Apple, whatever they were called. I can't yeah. even remember, yeah, but they, the uh, ones that had the, the, the bright colored, uh, Casings oh no! Them. Even before oh, then, oh like the Apple II, Apple II, the, floppy, the floppy disk. Yes, in. with the Ooh. single single button mouse. That, uh, but he uh, he was uh, from uh, Prescott, Wisconsin, actually, and, and came to Cannon Falls every day to teach us. But uh, he taught us a lot more, and taught me, I think, a lot more uh, than just how to use uh, computers. It was really kind of started what I think is how I approach a lot of problems these days and really started even in elementary school kind of a a critical thinking phase for me that I really have come to appreciate. Um, He was a great role model and I was involved back in the day in Tech Masters, which was a, a student group that would, who, folks who were interested in computers and IT uh, and AV back in the day, you know, TVs and VCRs and and all those laser discs, which oh, uh, and film strips. Yeah, so um, oh, it was uh, it was fun though, and and it was kind of the the first you know real introduction into kind of real world thinking that he started. But uh, he was he was a fantastic teacher. So yeah, awesome. 
So we talked a little bit at lunch because we just got done having lunch. What would you say is the state of education today? I know we, we talked a little bit about, you know, the shootings that have been happening and all that stuff. But yeah, what do you think the state of education is today? It's uh, I think it's challenging. I think it's really challenging, not only with situations like in, in Parkland, Florida and going back to, you know, Columbine, you know, those situations really make it it hard uh, for for not just the students to keep their attention on learning, but also on the teachers too and what they need to be paying attention to. I think it it presents a big challenge, and I think overall, um, you know, we also mentioned the, the world is kind of changing, and I'm not sure that all our you know education systems have really kept up or are prepared to to move into the future. So I think it's a really challenging time right now, and um, you know, in my professional work, we, we deal with, um, you know, property tax issues and, and stuff like that. And it's harder and harder um, for school districts to kind of keep up and prepare for for the future without adequate resources. And it's always a challenge uh, and becoming more so throughout the country to just have the resources to be able to hire and, and retain you know, good teaching professionals, um, especially given, you know, the, the challenges they have to face on a daily basis. So, um, and, and being able to, you know, prepare our students to be leaders for tomorrow is, is challenging when you're, you don't have the right tools. Right. All right. So do you want to, we, we talked about this at lunch too, but want to backtrack kind of your, your career path to where you are now working economic development in St. Paul and kind of your connection to the political realm because you you had a basis in politics when I knew you in school and that's how you were connected to Jared who was my roommate and, and you stayed very active. So you want to just kind of run sure. that down so people can get a framework for where you're at. Yeah, yeah. My background starts, I went to Winona State, uh, majored in uh, business administration and minored in political science and um, uh, started working for a high school teacher at that time uh, on a volunteer basis who was running for Congress in Minnesota's first congressional district um, and was fortunate enough, uh, encouraged by Jared, to, who pr- pushed me to apply for an internship out in Washington, D.C., um, but it started out there uh, working for Congressman Tim Walls, and uh, before I left my internship, they had uh, offered me a job to work back in uh, Rochester, Minnesota, while I finished up my last semester at Winona State. So um, I started with that and uh, was after some significant flooding down in southeast Minnesota. So I was able to start right off the bat and in, in working in the communities down there. Um, and I worked for him for over three years. And um, following that, I started working in community and economic development in southeastern Minnesota. So some of those uh, communities that had been hit by flooding uh, was able to go back in and focus uh, again on um, economic development and helping those communities grow their tax base and job base um, and amenities to help attract people to their communities. And uh, that job then led me to a job in Lakeville, Minnesota, which is a suburb of the Twin Cities, a fast-growing you know, aggressively growing uh, community, and then um, uh, now at the city of St. Paul, working in uh, economic development as a project manager. So, right, 
I think that covers most of it, right? Yeah. So, so, so based on that, one of the questions we really like to ask is, you know, because teaching is a service industry. You mm-hmm. are, you're in the business of serving others. So, so in your job, you know, you're on the business side. But what, what is your, your philosophy on service and business? Because obviously I've known you for a long time and I know you're a service guy. But just mm-hmm. how, how would you sum up your views on service and its importance? Um. I think I think it's very important. Obviously, I think um, in the way our economy has moved to to a service economy, right? Um, we, we, less from you know building widgets and whatnot, and more on providing good services. And I think um, that that's kind of changed the dynamics of of our economy and in even the future workforce. So, um, in starting early and understanding a, or having a good basis of of service from learning to, you know, the restaurants that you eat at, you know, having good relationships with individuals and being able to uh, problem solve are, are kind of some of those skills that we need to uh, focus on to provide good service. So I think if that answers your yeah, question. Yeah. And so then how, how do you use those skills? Because you were explaining to me what you do for the city of St. Paul mm-hmm. and economic development. So how, how do you use those skills? Because we were talking at lunch that those are skills that, you know, this generation of kids are going to need, like you said, to go into what are becoming more and more service-based industries yep. rather than, like you said, working in factories or building actual products. Yep. So um, in the work that I do, um, it's economic development with a goal of, you know, like I said, increasing tax base and jobs through development. So. Um, it's, uh, it's a mixture of art and science, uh, and the art piece comes in when we we have to solve problems. And a lot of times when cities or municipalities, uh, get involved in helping development occur, it's in order to address a problem. So, um, you know, contaminated grounds or, uh, a company that, um, has, provides great service through jobs and products, but, uh, you know, needs uh, assistance to continue that and to make it even better. Um, you know, it's a lot of problem solving and looking into the details. So you have to have, uh, uh, some good critical thinking skills and then good relationship skills in order to understand that and to communicate that between, you know, a business or a developer, um, you know, construction workers, um, mayors, council members, other elected and appointed officials. Um, those are really some skills that, that have come in handy and I've been able to to build on and, and grow over my career from politics and representing a congressman to, um, you know, working for communities now. Yeah, and you you said that now Tim is, if I heard you right, running for governor of Minnesota. That's right. Yeah. And is that a is that an April election or is that a November? It's election? a November election. Yep. So it's uh, the campaign seasons become uh, longer and longer now. So they've started Jeez, for a geez. while, and the election will be uh, November of this year. So. Jeez, who's he? Does he know who he's running against? No, it's open right now, and because uh, Dayton's the. Governor of Minnesota right yep, now, Yep, right? Mark Dayton is the current governor, so his term goes through the end of this year. Um, and right now, each party is uh, going through their 
endorsing process to determine the candidates that will go forward. So hopefully by June we will have a clearer picture on who the the Democratic candidate is, hopefully Tim, and a Republican appointment uh, or endorsement, which uh, is uh, is really up for grabs right now. There's a lot of speculation that former Governor Tim Pawlenty is going to be entering the race again and uh, become a candidate. So it'll be interesting to see what, how that shapes out. Mm-hmm. So, so to your point, you know, talking about you know what we talk about a ton is is the importance of relationships in schools. Mm-hmm. So. Do you see in your professional world or in the political world you come from, is, is there really a job out there where, where relationships aren't important? I don't think so. I think um, every job involves some sort of a relationship. And I know we talked a little bit about that some jobs even, you know, we're kind of shifting to a more service base, which obviously is a huge reliance on relationships. But you know, even I have friends and, and uh, family members who work uh, in manufacturing facilities and on uh, manufacturing floors making products, and you still have to have relationships, um, good relationship skills in order to communicate clearly with your team members um, and others to ensure that you're creating a good product. So, um, you know, those skills are invaluable and um you know, from not just a work-related issue, but but also on a personal family, you know, relationships that we have with our friends and, um, you know, partners in life, those skills are fundamental to how we operate as a society. So, From your outside view, how, how much, because you graduated high school in 05? Oh, 03. Oh, God, we are the same year. Gosh, we are. So we both graduated 03. From the outside, how much different do you see the educational system now than when we were in school? <laughs> this really dates me and makes me feel really old, but it has changed an enormous uh, amount. When I look at, um, and we were talking about this at lunch too, but the amount of information out in the internet and, and people's um, you know, reliance on Google or Alexa now in being able to provide them uh don't worry my I, the alexa in here is turned off it's, it's but it's got the red line on but yeah i do have an alexa right here in my kitchen so we could now i mean the internet when we were growing up in in high school we we had dial-up internet and you know really the the dial-up internet to where if you were on the internet the phone wouldn't ring exactly. in your house yeah I which, had that. which mom didn't like because she's oh, yeah. expecting her phone calls so yeah um, you know, and it was it was challenging and hard, and it wasn't very quick. And now we've become uh, connected um, through the internet all over the world, all over the country. And we, with a couple, you know, clicks on a keyboard or just even saying Alexa, what is this? We can find out almost anything, and so information is readily available. And which, which is good because I think, you know, having the ability to get information and understand information, you know, is, is definitely easier. But what, what, we, what do we do with that information and how do we utilize it um, in an appropriate manner? Um, you know, I think that becomes a challenge. And I think it becomes a challenge for teachers, too, because, you know, it's not uh, about teaching certain facts maybe as much as it is about 
teaching how to think about those facts and how to connect that, making sure that people have a good understanding. And then also, how do you use that and what do you use it for? You know, information's out there and accessible, but um, what do you do with it? And I think that's really changed the, the focus for teachers. Um, you know, because when I was in high school, it was, you know, reading textbooks and learning dates and um, being taught information that now is accessible yeah 24 7 i mean like I, I look at something that is incredible like you know the you know are you familiar with khan academy yeah yep. so i mean something Online. like khan academy like i could look up how to do calculus on youtube at khan academy and i can learn on my own and that's just you know like i was saying with us like we we really had to rely on the teacher to give us the information that we needed because yep. otherwise we would have you know had to sift through it and look for it and I think maybe the difference too is not just are these, how much information comes into my sphere when I just have my phone that I'm not even looking for? Like mm -hmm. how much stuff comes into my world because I'm on social media or because I'm on yeah. Google or on CNN, you know? Like I remember when everybody had to read the newspaper. Yep. Like when people primarily, and granted, I, my dad still reads a newspaper and my grandpa still reads a newspaper, yep. but I mean, I, I forget, you know, because we were talking a little bit about, you know, the Russian hacking and Facebook and, and, mm. and the dangers of social media, like what percentage of people are getting the majority of their news from social media. Yeah. And granted, I have certain news outlets that I follow on social media because I think their reporting is good. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just so crazy the way everyone's got a platform now. And everyone having a platform allows us to do this. Right. You and I had lunch, and now we're sitting in my kitchen talking about what we think is important. And 15 years ago when we were in high school, that wasn't available to us. No. Yeah, you're right. There were, there were no such things as podcasts. Yeah, and we have to learn now how to prioritize that information and how to digest it because you like you said there's a lot of information out there it's information overload but how do we make sure that we're getting the right information how do we make sure that it's accurate and timely and um you know we can be um you know people can be easily confused or easily misled in a number of ways and not just in a political sense but you know with actual facts and information and the redistribution of bad information can happen quite yeah. easily now yeah. and it's it's just the 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 way that it it can happen the way that it has happened is it just blows my mind and i asked you this question you know did you in 2003 or 2002 did you ever feel unsafe in your school no i i can honestly say i, I never did and you know it was a even after Columbine, right? Which and was I, a, a... Yeah, and I remember after Virginia Tech, I still wasn't that worried. I mean, because Virginia Tech must have been 2006 or 2007, because I remember yeah. one of the most... I think it's it's still... Jared's speech that he gave at Winona State is still on YouTube somewhere yep. after that, but... Yeah, it's... No, I never, I never did feel unsafe. Um... And now, though, I, I think <laughs> if I were a student in school, I would be nervous. Um, but it's uh, it, it definitely changes the mindset. I think 
our students can't be successful and learn uh, any of the skills that our teachers and uh, teaching professionals are trying to um, give them if they don't feel safe or, you know, if they're not well nourished. And I mean, and those challenges seem, um, at least to me now, more prominent than they were when I was going through school. Okay, so this this is not meant to be a, a bash on the NRA or 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 the teachers union, but but being that you have some political experience, what are those lobbies like? Like, what do they actually do, and how how much impact do they actually have? Because I know that education and and gun reform are two of the things that are always constantly trying to be reformed, and it never seems like anything changes. So so what is what is the role of, of groups, and I'm just using those two, or you could say the labor unions or any mm-hmm. any lobby group you have, but yeah. I, I think it would be good for teachers to kind of understand, because I know Wisconsin doesn't have teachers unions. Yep. Scott Walker did away with teachers unions. Yep. When I was in Texas, there were pseudo unions, but you know, I, so just help us get an understanding of, of what a lobby like, let's just say the NEA mm-hmm. does. Right. Well, I think, you know, they do a lot of great things for the most part. I think they have their challenges, too. And I think it's partly the changing economy as well, um, because unions really came into this country uh, earlier on to really fight against, you know, bad working conditions, whether it was the Teamsters or, you know, other, you know, <laughs> representing employees who were being taken yeah, advantage I mean, the, of. The, or, teacher, the teachers union came about because it was primarily women who were teaching and they felt underrepresented and underpaid and mm-hmm. and those things which is which is understandable but yeah you know it, it just seems like they are some of the lobbies are just behemoths that <laughs> yeah it's definitely gotten into uh, a different space now where um, maybe they're taking on issues or challenges that that their membership really isn't in favor of. Um, you know, and I think being involved, when it comes down to it, whether um, whether it's the NRA or whether it's the NEA, you know, being involved and in speaking up is really important, you know. Um, if somebody's involved in a union and they don't like the direction that they're going, you know, being involved in that and speaking up and, and promoting through a democratic process um, how those changes should occur is, is the way to do it. And um, sometimes it, it, you're right, the organizations can get too big and um, lose sight of their direction, whether it's you know, increasing membership dollars or you know, focusing more on, on representing more people, but then you don't have younger people involved or you know, more open, you're not open to change. So the, and I think overall, politically, since uh, Citizens United, a big decision, which essentially made that case that any business can contribute any amount of money to any organization because it's uh, considered free speech, has really changed the direction. So now money is playing a bigger role in politics and a bigger role in organizations who promote certain political uh, ideologies so it's it's gotten more challenging and it, it does represent a, a threat to our democracy because 
people lose interest. They don't get involved. They sit on the sidelines and people who are in those organizations end up making those decisions and uh, can either be a, a huge benefit or a huge detriment to, to the future um, of our country and our system, whether it's the NEA or the NRA. Um, if those organizations aren't working for the right um, reasons, then it's a threat to our democracy. So it's really challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but, so then on that, what do you think of of this? You know, you know, there's been Me Too and Black Lives Matter, but I'm I'm really intrigued by the reaction of the kids from Parkland, Florida, and this movement they have called March for Our Lives, or or, or uh, I think the other hashtag is Never Again. Yeah. Or um, what do you what do you what's your view on that? And you know how they can be successful, and how yeah. me as a teacher. I can contribute because I know there's a march in St. Paul on the 24th that I'm planning to go to. But beyond that, you know, how can we contribute and, and do you see them as capable? Because I think the hardest thing I've heard in response to them are the people that saying, how do 16 and 17 year old kids know how to do this or, or this or that? So what's your opinion on, on that particular movement especially? Well, first I'll say it is it gives me great hope that they're having the um, impact that they are right now. It's it's so inspiring to see a group of young people get involved and essentially say enough is enough. And, um, you know, even here in Minnesota, we've had students, high school students, speak in front of our legislature and say, it's, it's your job to protect us and keep us safe, and we're asking you to do that. Um, and I think it's very powerful and it's it's exactly what needs to happen, and I think um, it's 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 about increasing involvement. And I think like it gives me hope because people are paying attention and people are listening. It's unfortunate the reasons why and how we got here, yeah. but the fact that people are responding to it, and I think those uh, young students down there are more than capable of making change, not just in Parkland or not just in Florida. But throughout this country, because, um, and we as a society and, and our government, our elected officials, need to show them that we care about them and that we care about the future. Because without them, it, you know, it's, we don't have a future. <laughs> they are our future. And I think that's part of the inspiring thing behind this group of students is that, you know, they're really, um, they're making a huge impact. And it's, it gives me hope because um, we need more people to be involved and we need more people to stand up and say, things aren't going right and we need to change it and we need you to change it. You know, we don't have the power. We're not uh, in, state legis in the state legislature or in the United States Congress. You are and you need to help us find a way to prevent this from happening again. And I think that's the inspiring thing about it. Yeah. And it, it, it's what a democracy is. And it's holding those elected officials to, um, to the people. And in the simplest form, it's democracy at its greatest right now. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm hoping to, you know, I, with, with all this is happening, I think, or I hope that the next kind of domino to fall and, and real change comes in education. Because yeah. I don't think... You know, there are pockets and there are phenomenal teachers and amazing schools yep. all over the country. But I think there's a huge portion of the country that doesn't get that. 
Yep. And I think the system itself is not serving those. So I'm hoping that at some point as these movements grow and, and it becomes, but I just look at, like you said, those kids in Florida, like they've grown up with the, in this world where they know that they can get something out like, like in an instant and in a heartbeat. And, yeah. and not, you know, Emma Gonzalez, the girl who spoke up and had that speech, like yeah. it rattled me to just, to hear the words of, of a, a, frankly, a child to come up and, you know, for them now, you know, I saw there were clips on Trevor Noah on The Daily Show and Colbert and all those guys were seeing, like, and Jimmy Kimmel's like, at least, or it was either Kimmel or Colbert, like, at least the kids are taking responsibility. They're they're standing up and leading. So that's, that's a really impressive thing. And like I said, I know that there are walkouts scheduled, you know, across the country that students are going to walk out for 17 minutes to honor and, and to show that. And we were having this conversation at school, like, what's the appropriate teacher response? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and puts, and... puts them in a tough situation. I mean, because we know that there are... And they've been talking about it with kids, because the kids at our high school are going to do it. Um, it's supposed to be not this week, but the following week. We're going to be on spring break, so they're picking another day. They're picking, uh, I believe it is, the anniversary of Columbine to, to do that that walkout. And, and for me, I'm like... 17 minutes all I think this issue is important I'll walk with them yeah yeah hopefully it is it's it's a reasonable and rational response it's a limited amount of time but it it shows that you care and that you're committed and that you want to help them uh, voice their concerns and I think it's that's a really great thing and, I, and I'm hoping to you know we were talking about education just if we get to the point where like we can where it doesn't have to be polarized where we can accept that you and I might not have the same opinion on a certain topic. I just feel like it, it. There's there's so much of the world that is either you're for us or against us that really doesn't need to be. Yeah, yeah. Our our politics and our political differences in this country have have just divided us more and more. And you know we see it in the national level in Washington D.C. We see it at you know in state capitals around the country uh, there's no you know um, nobody's willing to compromise anymore and that is one thing that we we need to do in order to get things you know done is to be able to say you know what I'll, I'll give up a little bit of this if we can get that and, and come up with common sense uh, solutions that you know we, we're not so beholden and to go back to your point about some of the political organizations, it, it's challenged our democracy and the fact that they hold those elected officials, uh, you know, to their positions and through monetary donations and their large membership base, and they can either get support or opposition out of them. Um, and it's it's made politicians hold on to their views and, and be even more stubborn about it. But what's happened is we're not able to get things done. You know, in Minnesota, we've had um, state government shutdowns, which, you know, really impact us. Uh, we need to be able to compromise and we need people to be able to listen and understand each other. And going back to the earlier conversation about relationships, it's something that we need to work on because our political leaders and some of, some of our role models out there are not doing a very good job of showing people how relationships work and how um, how we utilize that um, so it, we've gotten away from it but 
it can also help change the the path yeah. of this you country. Know, it's, yeah, it's it, it's getting to the point where it can't be ignored anymore. Right. So. All right. So, so to finish up, let's talk a little bit about the the scholarship foundation and the work you're doing sure. and the work that I hopefully will be joining you in doing here in the coming <laughs> months. So. Yeah, so our uh, Jared P. Steen Student Leadership Scholarship is uh, an annual uh, scholarship that's made available to students in the uh, Minnesota State System, so the seven state um, universities, as well as um, any of the state college, uh, community or technical colleges. Um, and what we we emphasize through our application process is, is uh, uh, students leadership experience so we asked for a, a leadership resume and then because jared was so creative and fun to be around as you know mm -hmm. having uh, spent much time with him uh mm -hmm. we have a um a coffee question where we uh leave it open for folks to be as creative as they want to uh, because jared loved coffee yeah in particular yep. mochas <laughs> yeah and yeah, double double shot <laughs> double shot mochas it's the the jared at mugby junction down My, there. that's the name i could not remember it <laughs> yeah oh, mocha gosh. with an extra shot of uh, espresso so oh, man. we leave it opening and try to get some creativity from these applications as well so um you know jared was uh, was not an a student but nope. he was smart and he was passionate um, and he also committed a lot of his time to organizations whether it was the college democrats or whether it was the student senate those organizations he spent a lot of time on and and gave people a lot of uh, inspiration so we want to be able to uh, assist students going through college in a way that can help them focus on those leadership roles and um and and be giving back so that's really the goal and the purpose so and uh, applications are open until april 1st right now so they're, they're currently available yeah and it's i mean it's just to if it's the least we can do for jared's legacy you know to to keep that going on and there are a lot of times where i wonder you know if he were if he were here right now what he would be saying <laughs> or what he would be doing when he when he saw these kinds of things but uh yeah it's i mean it's it's a great organization and I think there's a lot of, you know, we had a little more in-depth conversation about what's been going on the last few years and hopefully I can come in and, and help out and we can grow grow the scholarship and grow the fund and, and be able to, you know, like you said, provide those experiences yeah. to those to those kids who are going into that leadership and, you know, it comes back to that, that spot of, of, of service, you know, so, um, gosh, one, let's, let's ask one last question. All right. Um, <laughs> All right, the last question. Rick, what, what do you want your legacy to be? That's, that's a question we've been ending with recently. My legacy? Uh, I, in the simplest form, I hope to leave this world a better place than it was when, uh, or because of the work that I've done. So whether it's in the city of St. Paul or um, wherever else I go after that, I hope to be able to leave, um, leave good you know, projects done and, and mm -hmm. make it a better place. So that's as simple as it can get. So. All right. Awesome. So is there anything we can do right now to, to support you or support the fund or anything like that? Yeah. You know, I think we have a goal right now in the scholarship fund of being able to provide a full, uh, tuition at one of our state universities. Um, and we have a long way to go. So right now we currently give out $2,000. So, 
um, spreading the word about the scholarship and, and how it's different and um, really inspiring more student leaders like those down in Parkland who are doing an amazing job changing the world. Um, you know, the, the, being able to spread the word and, and be be really nice to someday grow it to the point where it wasn't just in yep. the state of Minnesota and, and, yeah. and really, really do that. Because you, you look at there's there's so many leadership opportunities out there. So that's right. All right, man. Well, we're going to we're going to end it there. This has been episode 35 of the LED Project podcast. Rick, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.